You're listening to a message from Oaks Church, Brooklyn. Our longing is to see heaven come to earth in our city. For more information on our church and community, please visit oaksbk.church. I'm going to go ahead and read the teaching text. Just settle your hearts, get quiet, find a seat. Hey, hey. Okay, this is from Matthew 13. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is the word of the Lord. Oh, thank you for doing that because I would have forgotten to announce, to, to introduce myself. If we haven't met uh, before, my name is Lindsay and I am an elder here at Oaks Church Brooklyn. So it's so good to see you guys. Um, uh, if the teaching text, uh, if the teaching text uh, uh, were still up there, you would see that Tiff didn't read that last part. They were really nice and left off. Uh, the official teaching text, but, but I'm going to be brave. I'm not afraid. I'll read the rest. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yeah. <laughs> Just so you know, um, I was slated to teach about the pearl of great price, but then it got switched. And I was like, I get the judgment one? It's all right, though. Um, but I do have a, a kind of funny story to tell. So, um, oh yeah, I did. I missed my first page. Um, so, I grew up in the 80s and 90s, aging myself. But uh, one trend um, in, in some places, and honestly, I just talked to a friend this morning, and she said, oh yeah, Lindsay, they still go on. Um, were these, in the evangelical church, there are these things called the judgment house. If you're laughing, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They would take place typically in the fall, um, usually around Halloween as like an alternative to um, a haunted a haunted house, and like rightfully so because they were absolutely terrifying. Um, but if you were spared from this experience and wondering what in the world I'm talking about, essentially these were dramatic plays um, and dramatic interpretations of what your life, what the end of your life would be like uh, if you did not give your life to Jesus while there was still time. Like if you did not, if you did not get saved before Jesus came or before you had an untimely death, you, you would experience the fire um, and judgment of hell, where there would be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so you would, as a spectator, you go to these things, you pay your $5, and you go to these things, and you would follow someone's life from scene to scene. Um, and then it would usually end in hell. And then there was a, like, it, which was also super scary. And honestly, I was looking up pictures on Google to maybe put in the slides, and I got scared. I was like, I don't want nightmares. And also the children are with us today, so I'm really glad I didn't find pictures of this. And not for nothing, there was also a sign somewhere that said, you know, Judgment House, um, these dates, 7 to 9.30, under 12, not admitted. 
like, okay, if we, if we have to restrict the gospel to age limits, there's, we, got, we should probably reflect. Um, but, oh, you know, so then at the end, you were sort of spit out an additional room into it, this other room that I would just call like the repentance room, where if you were scared enough, you would give your heart to Jesus. And, you know, I, I do acknowledge like maybe that did work for some people and last um, and, and was authentic, but... It, it was scary and it was manipulative. And, but I, I do want to say, and I don't mean to brag, but um, in high school, I was invited to not just one, but two dates to the judgment house. <laughs> two. And so um, on one of the particular dates, um, we, we get done with the judgment house and we all pile into one of those like 16 passenger vans because obviously it was a group date and we were with the youth group. Um, you're really getting a sense of how I grew up, my, my childhood experience in church. But yeah, so we, we pile into this van and um, we're buckling up and the driver, who was I guess a chaperone, someone who worked with the youth, said, all right, is everybody buckled? Yeah. Is everybody saved? Because I'm the driver and I'm saved. So if the rapture happens before you make it home, you're on your own. <laughs> and so like, we, you know, we just look at each other. And of course, like those of us who know it say like, if you confess in your heart that Jesus is Lord and believe that you will raise him from the dead, you're like, please, please don't let me go to hell, God. You know, so we said that one additional time just for good measure. Um, but uh, you really can't make this up. And, and I have to acknowledge, and I can tell by some of the laughs in this room here, that you may um, have had a similar experience or maybe even trauma around that. And I just want to say, I'm sorry. Um, fear and manipulation are not strategies uh, of God. They're strategies of the enemy, like not God, because it's not the way God fathers. It is nowhere to be found in the ministry of Jesus. And I'm saying this, I'm starting with this because I think that sometimes we can read a passage like our teaching text. I mean, I know I did for a lot of the summer, like read that and be tempted into that same sort of fear. Um, and Patrick and Will and others talked, uh, spoke about this, but you, you're tempted to be like, am I the weed or the weeds? Am I the good fish or the bad fish? Like, where, where am I in this story? And it can, it, it, it can just, yeah, just ignite some fear and confusion. And that is not what this is about. My friends will tell you I struggled with this passage a lot this summer. Because I'm like, I just, I don't think this is what it's about. So Jesus, what is it about? And I had to spend a lot of time in prayer saying, what in the world do you want to say? Um, because Jesus did say again and again, repent for the kingdom is at hand. And he did sound pretty urgent about it too. And maybe that's why folks who put on things like the judgment house did what they did and do what they do. They wanna spare you from going to where there's weeping and gnashing and teeth. So in my heart, I have to believe that the intentions were good and that the heart was good. But a conversion-centered gospel is an incomplete gospel. It, it is factual. I want to be clear. John the Baptist said again and again, repent for the kingdom is at hand. And then when Jesus came, when he started his ministry in Matthew 4, 17, he also said, repent for the kingdom is at hand. Repent for the kingdom is at hand. But I believe what motivated Jesus in announcing the kingdom couldn't be more different from maybe it's a motivation of the folks who uh, put on these houses because it's not about fear. 
Jesus' urgency was one out of great, that was born of great love. Um, and I also want to say, this is an aside for a second, but um, I do teach third grade, and I know parents had to bring their, stu- their, ki- their students, <laughs> their kids into the service today. I'm really great at talking while, while kids are talking. <laughs> so if you're a parent and you feel like you have to like, you know, get them quiet, don't worry. Let them hear the gospel. We'll live our lives together. I love it. I love it. it it's Yeah. Yes. Welcome, children. I actually got a little weepy this morning just thinking like, gosh, I get to teach kids through the week really soon, but I've never really gotten to teach while kids were here in church. So yeah, Jesus, the, the kingdom, which we're going to talk about today, belongs to such as these. So welcome, babies. All right. Um, so... Jesus' urgency was one that was born from great love. Out of a heart that longed to bring his beloveds into communion with him, thereby inheriting all the things that come with it, the kingdom of heaven. The most beautiful reality you and I could ever imagine. And that is what I wanna talk about today. So um, let us pray for a second and we'll just jump right in. Jesus, thank you so much that the kids are with us today. Your gospel's for everyone. And you, you long, you say, bring the children, let them come to me. So I just pray that, um, that what falls on their ears, whether they get it or not, what they hear, what they miss, that you would be near. And for the rest of us, my biggest prayer, God, is that you would show us what is your kingdom like? What are you like? What is Jesus like? We just wanna know you. Teach us what it means to believe with all our heart. Teach us what it means to sit at your feet. Teach us to be disciples of you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I hear all the kids say amen? Amen. amen. All right. <laughs> amen. All right. So let's, let's read our teaching text again. Matthew 13, 48 through 50. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up onto shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, at the end of this, we're coming towards the end of this series, and um, by now we've spent, we will have spent about nine weeks on about six parables, um, and we've had really incredible teaching. My goodness. Um, That honestly, I've wondered, like, what is left? What's really left that we haven't said? What's left that we haven't asked? Because Will um, brought the fire and the dad jokes when he preached about the wheat and the weeds. I mean, hello for the, yes, for the dad jokes. When he preached about the wheat and the weeds, which is very, very similar, almost like a bookend to this parable. Um, And then Jackie, who came over from Park Slope, did an incredible job synthesizing a lot of those parables, teaching us how they fit together. And you're probably experts at parables by now. Uh, So to recap, though, here's what I feel like we've learned about parables, like as a form of storytelling. We've learned that, one, um, they're stories with a purpose. Two, Jesus gave them um, to, to give like a memorable word picture. And he did that, I think, so that they would be easy to remember and better yet, retell and share with others. Um, 
They conceal the truth to some while revealing it to others. And then lastly, they're told to prompt questions and conversations. And I think we've asked a lot of questions. Am I the weed or am I the weeds? Am I like, am I really the pearl of great price or looking at it a different way? Would I give everything for him, for the kingdom? We've, we've asked lots of questions. But there is one more question, and it's almost kind of playful when I think about it, but there's one more question that I feel like we could ask from this teaching text. Where are the good fish going? Where are the good fish going? So I'm gonna read this again. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up onto shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it'll be at the end of the age. And so we know where the bad fish are going, right? They'll be separated from the righteous. They'll go into the fiery furnace where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. You don't have to do a whole lot of math to know you don't want to end up in the furnace, right? Like <laughs> that's, that's pretty clear. Um, so where are the good fish going, Jesus? Are they going to a feast? Are they going to a party? Are they going to a prom? Ooh, who is at the prom? Yes. The answer is yes, because they're going to the kingdom of heaven. Um, Jesus is the, the master of all teachers. And I believe, as a teacher, that he was counting on people asking that question. He's building anticipation I mean, just again and again, he's talking about the kingdom that I think that he's building in anticipation so that his listeners will say, well, what is this kingdom? And how can, and better yet, how can I go there? How can I get it? How can I access it? So let's talk about that. What is the kingdom of heaven? And I'll interchange that. You'll hear me say kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, same thing. So what is the kingdom of heaven? The kingdom of heaven, but simply, is when what God wants done is done. What God wants done is done. And it's the place where we flourish. It comes simply from God's nature too. So everything about the kingdom of God, it's a place where we flourish and everything about it reveals his heart. Reveals his heart. Now, if you want to, sometimes, you know, when we look at God the Father, I don't know what your image of God the Father is and how it may be similar or different from the way you view Jesus, but we've been taught in the scriptures that if you want to know God, look at Jesus, he'll help you. Look at what he said and look at what he did. Everywhere Jesus, uh, everywhere Jesus went, the kingdom broke out. Because the kingdom was in Jesus and it was through Jesus. So let's just think about it. This is like a highlight reel, by the way, not even touching the surface. But he gave dignity back to a woman caught in adultery simply by writing in the dirt with a finger. He saw and chose the outcast when he sat on the side of a well with a woman. He delivered a people from anguish and demons and, yeah, and strongholds. He made wine and he raised people from the dead. Now, John, when he would write his gospel, he wouldn't call these miracles. He would call these signs. And we know that signs are like symbols. They point to something bigger. So John called these things signs because they pointed to a bigger reality that was heaven breaking out on earth. 
And I tried to think about the categories that some of what Jesus did and said fit into. And this is not exhaustive, but this is the list that I came up with. Let's look at the signs of the kingdom. We have deliverance and salvation, righteousness and justice, peace, joy, God's presence, healing, reconciliation. My guess is that the deepest longings of your heart would probably fit somewhere in this list, right? Somewhere in the kingdom because the kingdom is where we flourish. And this is God's heart for you, brought through the power of the spirit by the works of his son, by the works of Jesus. So the kingdom, the whole plan is the kingdom would be brought. He sent his son, Jesus, to show us. So let's read John 15, 19. Oh, excuse me, John 5, 19. Very truly I tell you, I don't know if we have this. Very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees the father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. Everything Jesus did on earth He did because he was so in tune and so deep in his communion with the Father that everything the Father was doing and thinking and feeling, that's what Jesus was doing on earth. And then later, this blew my mind the other day, later in John, John 17, one through four, Jesus is praying. And I mean, because he's praying, clearly he has not gone to the cross yet. He says, Father, the hour has come Glorify your son that your son may glorify you for you granted him authority over all people so that he may give them eternal life. He may give eternal life to all those who have, that you have given him. Now, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you on earth by accomplishing everything you gave me to do. Jesus had not died on the cross yet, and he's sitting here saying, I have accomplished everything you've given me to do. We have to assume that that means that he's not just trying to save us from a fiery hell and separation with him forever. Yes, that is part of it. But we have to acknowledge that he's come to give us life in the full here on earth as it is in heaven. That that is his heart. I've accomplished everything you've given me to do. Oh, bringing healing, justice, righteousness, peace, deliverance, return from exile. I've done that. You've glorified yourself in me. So Jesus knows this is good stuff. He knew it would fulfill every desire you and I could ever have. And that is why he's so urgent about it. Repent for the kingdom is at hand. So how do we have it? How do we get this this goodness, right? Some of you were at the prom last night and you were jumping and dancing. I saw the videos. It was, it was such a joyful celebration. And I feel like what a beautiful prophetic picture of the kingdom, taking delight in one another as you're in community, as you're, you were in this space. I just still feel the cele- celebratory vibes in this place. So how do we access that kingdom here on earth, the kingdom of heaven Well, I think if we lived at the time of Jesus and we wanted to see the uh, heaven brought to earth, um, I think we would need to follow him. I mean, I think it wouldn't hurt to be one of his disciples, but at the very least, we would probably need to follow him. When he would show up at a town to preach, we'd need to be there because where Jesus stepped, where he went, there was the kingdom. He's the way. We have to stick close to his presence because that is where the kingdom is. 
John 10, 9 says, uh, Jesus says, I'm the gate, I'm the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved and they will come in and go out and find pasture. He says, I, I'm the way. He says this quite a bit, right? And that's, and that's why, because we access the kingdom through the king. And I know a lot of us know this verse, and at first I didn't have this. I wasn't gonna say this, but it just kept coming up to me that when Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest, he didn't, he, it's interesting that he didn't say like, come into the kingdom of heaven and you'll find rest. He says, come to me, come to me. Let me teach you because I am humble and I am gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and the burden I give you is light. The kingdom is beautiful. It is good, it is fun. We have to access it through Jesus and only Jesus. And it's important that we have in our minds then the right picture of who King Jesus is. He's gentle. He's humble. Think of the way he came into the world, right? Um, he comes in a lowly form. He doesn't go to seminary. He doesn't study with a rabbi, by the way. He breaks the mold. They would even say about him, is that the carpenter's son? Like, what is he doing here preaching? Is that the carpenter's son? Right? He totally broke the mold. Israel at the time, by the way, they were, they were longing for the kingdom of heaven to come. They were longing for salvation. They were longing for free, like freedom from exile to be returned. But they were hoping for like someone like David to rule and reign, who, who sort of smashed the heads of all his enemies. They were waiting for that. So Jesus really surprised them when he said, oh yeah, no, 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 the kingdom is at hand. <laughs> it's here, it's in me. Um, it, it took them by quite a big surprise. Jesus makes the reality available to everyone and says, here it is. Here it's, it's here now if you want it. Now in Luke, it's interesting, um, people were, they were always questioning Jesus. They were always, the Pharisees were always testing Jesus. So in Luke 17, they, uh, it says, once on being asked by the Pharisees where the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, oh, here it is or there it is because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Jesus says, no, no, no. The kingdom of God doesn't come by observations. It is among you now. It is here now. Um, and when Jesus says, like, uh, uh, repent, because again, I, I don't wanna gloss over that. Like, we don't need to repent for our sins. Um, but when Jesus says, repent for the kingdom is at hand, he means, he means like it's with him. It is at hand. Everything you could want is right here. But let's talk about that word repent, because I think um, over the past probably decades, centuries, that word has been hijacked a little bit, the true meaning of that word. Um, so that when we hear it, it just automatically makes us turn in and look at our sin and look at our our dirtiness, um, like, oh, we're so wicked and the only reason that God can even lay eyes on me is because of what Jesus did on the cross and, and, and like that, that's why he can deal with me. That's why he can even face me. And that's, that's one theory. Um, I can't say the word substitutionary atonement. 
I, I don't remember from back in the day, it's something like that. But it's, it's, this, this view of atonement that like is so, is so focused on, oh, Jesus died on the cross for my sins so that God can stand me. And it's just such an incomplete picture and doesn't help us when we're trying to imagine the heart of God. Um, repent actually just means to turn away or to change your mind about something. It's Jesus saying to the Samaritan woman, hey, how's that going for you? How's it really going for you? It's him saying that if you knew who it was you were speaking with, you would ask him and he would give you living water. What if we started thinking about the word repent as a turning away from just trying to figure it out all on our own? Because I think sometimes the biggest competition to the kingdom of God is the kingdom of self. There are many kingdoms to choose for, by the way. Choose from. It's whatever is, is calling the shots. It's whoever or whatever wants done is actually done. And so it could be a kingdom of job or self or I don't know what it is for you, but I know that the kingdom of self is probably the greatest competition to the kingdom of heaven where what you want done is done and you will personally see to it. And that works for a while, but grit and effort can only take you so far. At best, you'll be exhausted and at worst, you'll be overcome with the anguish of unmet longings. Sometimes I think, you know, when I think about that term weeping and gnashing of teeth, being separated from God, you know, weeping and gnashing of teeth, I see in two kind of ways. The weeping is like where, where internal anguish seeps out and the gnashing of teeth. I don't know if any of you grind your teeth at night. I do. But so, or, or if you stub your toe, if you're, you get hurt, you will gnash your teeth, right? Like a physical anguish. So yeah, I do believe the separation of God will bring physical and mental anguish for sure. But I think that is more likely to happen when we're trying to figure it out on our, all on our own. That's why he says, be still. You, maybe you're familiar with that verse, be still and know that I am God. Um, but I do something with kids sometimes when we're working with reading fluency where we emphasize a different word in the sentence or in the phrase, which can often change the meaning. And so if we go from thinking be still and know that I am God to be still and know that I am God, not you, I am God. Stop ceasing, stop striving. Let me love you into the kingdom. So whose kingdom are you living in? How's that going for you? Because the kingdom of heaven is on offer. It is at hand. It is right here. Now, as I was preparing this talk, I, it just felt such a conviction in my soul um, that, and I'm gonna include me in, definitely in this, but that I was convicted that some of us might be pursuing uh, the kingdom and we may be missing or forgetting the king. And it's, it's almost a sneaky thing. It can just sneak up on you, but it can easily happen that we long. Like, yes, all the promises of the kingdom of heaven are yours, but it is possible to pray on earth as it is in heaven or in Brooklyn as it is in heaven and miss the nearness of Jesus. It's possible to bring down the heavens with your prayers for healing or for leading the fight for injustice and forget to spend time at his feet. Like, what's your deepest desire? What do you long for in the quiet places? What are, you, what are you praying for without ceasing? Is it possible that it might be becoming more important than the person you're praying for? 
And again, I don't know if this was just God speaking to me or if any of you might resonate with this, but I, 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 I had to think a lot about that. Am I pursuing the kingdom and the gifts of the kingdom while forgetting to just sit down with Jesus? Um, and I wanted to share something with you. I didn't know if I should, but, I, whoops. but um, you know, I'm your elder. We're family. Church is family. Um, and some of you know this, but some of you don't. But in the spring this year, this year was a really tough year physically. And finally in the spring, I was given the diagnosis of multiple sclerosis, which then explained everything I'd been dealing with for the last year and a half. Um, it's also why if I don't see you and don't, or if I see you and make eye contact with you and I don't wave, I literally can't see you. Um, so just come up to me. Meg does this great thing. She's like, hi, it's Meg. I'm like, hi, Meg. So like, you can do that, do that. Feel free to do that. Um, and, you know, and I don't want to make light of this at all, but, it, but, it, but I want you to know this because I also want you to know that it's something I've been praying for nearly nonstop for going on 10 months. And if you're into the strength finders, my number one is belief. So it's, it's almost impossible for me not to believe that God's gonna heal. I just, I just in my heart believe I'm gonna see the goodness of God in the land of the living, but it hasn't happened yet. And so as I was praying, it just occurred to me that I sometimes feel this like loneliness or, or, or longing for Jesus. I'm like, that's weird because I literally pray a million times a day, but I'm praying like very focused. Like, Lord, would you restore my vision? Lord, would, you, would your kingdom come in my body? And then something happened. And I, I wasn't gonna share this, but I'll share this too, that last week um, we had such a beautiful time of ministry and... Uh, Seth, who was speaking to us, just like was waiting on the spirit. And I knew I should come up to the front, but I was stubborn and I didn't because I was thinking in my head, I cannot pray your kingdom come one more time. I don't have it in me. And so I come to the rug eventually and I just, and I just sit there. And then two of my friends come, Beck and Liz just kind of come up and they start praying. I can't really hear what they're praying and I'm almost glad that I didn't because I just sort of collapsed at Jesus. And I can't explain it because I can't promise, I don't, I don't know how God works, but I just know in that moment there was a peace and like a, an okayness that came over me that I could never describe to you that just came when I stopped striving and I just sat and I let him love me. And I don't know what that is for you, um, what that thing is you're longing for, financial security, a job, a reconciled relationship, a longed for child. I don't know what that thing is that you're like, I know this is good and I know this is of the, of the kingdom but nothing is happening. Um, and this is gonna be a little controversial but I know in my heart I was convicted by this question. If I could choose my healing apart from Jesus, would I choose it? Like, if someone said right now, you can have your sight or you can have Jesus, do I so want healing in my body that I would choose that or would I choose just to be sick with Jesus? Because I don't know. And I'll be clear, I, I believe with my whole heart is coming. I don't know when, but I believe that it is. But even if it doesn't, even if it doesn't, I know that I never want to sit at the foot of another king but Jesus. 
because he does bring a peace that passes all understanding and that is not a cliche. I have felt it in the moments where I've come to the end of myself and there are no more words to pray. He's probably thinking, finally, she's just gonna let me love her. Because if I'm honest, most of the time, I would choose the healing. But my prayer now has become, Jesus, I just wanna choose you. It is in you that we live and we move and we have our being. So let me be super clear, because the gospel's a bit messy. Um, but it is good and right and necessary and biblical to petition and fast and pray to our God on earth as it is in heaven. Those things that are on our heart, God sees it, he knows it. Um, but Jesus says repent for the kingdom is at hand because he, he wants you in the kingdom. He wants you in the kingdom because he wants you. Um, and we're gonna do something a little bit different today, but I want us to stand together. Let's go ahead and stand at your feet. And I would love to spend the, the bulk of our time left just in a time of ministry. Um, thanks, band. Uh, and I was, as I was praying, I just felt like God really wanted to speak to two, at least, at least two specific groups of people. Now, if these don't pertain to you and you need to meet with the Father, you come up here. It doesn't matter what, which rug you choose. Let me just, you know, let you know that. But um, yeah, as, as we move into a time of ministry, like there are these two groups that God had put on my heart um, and dealing with me about. And so the way it's gonna work is that as I start talking, if this resonates with you, like don't wait. If your heart's beating fast, that's the spirit. If you feel like I really wanna go up there but there's no way I'm gonna go through this aisle, we'll move, people will move. So as I speak, if something resonates with you, I just want you to make your way up to the front because I do believe, I, I just have such a strong sense that God wants to meet with people in a profound way. So the first group is that of the intercessors. Um, if when I was talking about the kingdom of God or just in your own life, even before stepping into this space today, if when you hear things like sickness, and poverty and injustice, if your heart burns within you that that is not right. Um, I think about Catherine's amazing uh, sermon from a few weeks ago that I have literally started praying this line every day, but she's talking about when we're bucking up against the powers of darkness, that Jesus is almost like, nope, not today, not in my kingdom. If that, if that is the spirit within you, nope, not today, not in the kingdom of God, I believe God is actually wanting to commission you as an intercessor. Yeah. And for some of you, this is a fresh calling. Um, for some of you, uh, this is a reignition, right? I think God wants to blow his spirit on the embers of your heart so that, was a, that maybe a fire that had died down, he wants to just stoke it so that it's burning bright. And I also wanna say some of you have discounted yourself from that. Like, no, for whatever reason, I don't know the reason, but you do that you've discounted yourself as being like an intercessor. 
I think he's specifically calling you today. And so if in your heart you long to see the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven, I'm gonna invite you to come to this side of the room. Just go ahead and make your way. I'm gonna pray for you in a second, but just don't, don't, yeah. Um, don't waste time. Come to the front. He's, he's, yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. When we were in pre-service prayer this morning, another uh, group kind of connected to the intercessors came to me in the form of worshipers. If as a worshiper, worshiper, um, I don't know, I just think some of you love to worship and bring down the kingdom and your praises and your prayers and your songs. That's you, come make your way up. I think he wants to bless you as well. Um, God fights to the praises of his people. So worshipers and intercessors come up and then on the other side. I wanna talk to the weary. I wanna talk to people who, who say, Lindsay, I have prayed like you, your kingdom come, your will be done, and nothing is happening, and I'm tired. I'm weary. I think God wants to just have you sit at his feet, and I think he wants to love you. There's that story of Elijah where he's come to the end of his self, and he's just asking just to die, and God feeds him, and he gives him rest. It's in doing absolutely nothing doing absolutely nothing that God says, no, no, no. I'm, it, oh, and then it just catapulted him into an amazing ministry after that. But first he had to come and he had to rest. Because I think for some of you have been praying and God wants to say, no, I see. I see that every step that you've taken that took a little bit more effort. I see it. And as you sit at his feet, we're just gonna pray that the goodness and mercy of God pass over you. So if you're feeling weary for any reason at all, he says, come to me and I'll give you rest. Would you come to this side? And so it's gonna happen. And, and like, there's no cutoff time if at any point, like me, last Sunday, it took about 10 minutes, but I did it. And I was so blessed. If at any time you wanna come and join and be prayed for, please, please come to the front. But I'm just gonna pray over us and then the ministry team's gonna come and lay hands on you and just say, like, Spirit of God, come. And the rest of you, if that didn't, if nothing's resonated with you, I'm just gonna ask you to be intercessors, to just pray as you worship with the band in a few minutes. You can reach out a hand, you don't have to. Pray for those people who are weary. Pray that God would ignite the fire of the intercessors. It is for our good in this community that we have them. They're gonna help bring the kingdom. So I wanna pray for the weary. Do you wanna say something? Yes. Is this on? Um, I think there's one more group in here today. And when I think Lindsay talked about where are the good fish going, you're asking yourself, am I a good fish? And when we talk about repent, we talk about change your mind. I think there are people in here who God is calling you to change your mind about yourself. That um, maybe there's been words of death instead of life spoken over you. Maybe you think that you are not worthy of the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God is at hand, but you're not worthy to enter it. And I want you to know this morning that you are worthy, that the kingdom of God is at hand and that there's a better word being spoken over your life. And so if you're somebody who struggles with, am I the good fish, is the kingdom for me, I would love for you guys to come up and get prayer as well.
So if you could, uh, where you are right now, we're gonna pray for this group over here. If you could just reach out your hands for this section. Jesus, you say, come to me, all you who are weary, and I'll give you rest. You can't stay away from the brokenhearted. It is who you are drawn to. So I pray as they just sit at your feet. By the way, you have to do nothing at all but receive this morning. But Lord, I pray that your goodness and your mercy would pass over them, that they would feel the inexplicable peace that whatever they are going through, that you see it, you see every extra step, you see every cry, you see every tear, and you're with them. Lord, would you blow also on the embers of these hearts where there, maybe months ago, there was such passion and fervor in the prayers, and they're just, they've been weakened. Lord, would you blow on the fire of their heart? The fire will come back. I feel like he's saying the fire will come back. Just sit at my feet and let me love you. When Elijah waited on God, there was thunder, and God wasn't in the thunder. There was wind, God wasn't in the wind. There was fire, God wasn't in the fire. He was in a still, small whisper. Would you whisper to their hearts? Would you heal the brokenhearted? And now can we put our hands over to the intercessors? Intercessors, I want to read this from you, for you. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me anything in my name, and I will do it. God, I thank you for the intercessors. Walter Wink says the history belongs to the intercessors. You pray the future into being. So God, would you fan the flame? I bless what you are doing. We bless each and every person. Would you give them courage? Would you impart confidence? And would you make them absolutely sure of their authority in you, that everything you have, you have given to them as they pray on earth as it is in heaven. So just spend time with Jesus. God, thank you so much that you long for the kingdom to come into us, to invade our lives because you want us to flourish. But more than that, you want intimacy with you. There is no one discounted. There is no one discounted from your kingdom. Come meet with us. We love you. We praise you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Ministry team, just come on up.